Are you going to do that thing where you start recording and I'm saying stupid things and I don't even know you're recording yet? I would never do that. You're recording right now, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. Got it. <laughs> well, we're ready. <laughs> Howdy. Hello. <laughs> Perfect. Another great, another very smooth intro. Yeah, that's what I'm known for. So we have some very exciting updates for the pod. Yes, and since I know nothing about how it actually works, I'm going to let you introduce it. Well, as I think it's magic. Yeah, I mean, it is. Most of what I do is magic, so. Okay, this, this episode is all about Riley. <laughs> Please, no. So while we were sitting in class uh, this week, um, I was not paying attention. I instead was creating an email address and an Instagram for our podcast. Mm. So, without further ado, I present to you the Tazfad podcast. Tazfad. It does not roll off the tongue, but here we are. Um, if you're interested in following us on Instagram, we currently have three followers. We're, we're kind of a big deal. Okay, we can actually say avid listeners now, though. Avid listeners, yeah. Because we have hundreds now of listeners. Mm-hmm. We have hundreds of listeners. Mm-hmm. We could say that. I think I think we have hundreds hundreds of listens. <laughs> I think That's... saying hundreds of listeners would be a stretch. Okay, okay, it sounds better to. Okay, I got it. Yeah, it sounds... <laughs> anyway, our Instagram, if you are curious, is T A S F A D podcast on Instagram. Our email address is the same. It's T A S F A D podcast at gmail dot com. It'll all be in the show notes, linked in there. If you go to our Instagram, we have a link tree set up that has all of the important links you may need. For the record, that's the part that I think is magic, not <laughs> Gmail. <laughs> I so know. Still wrapping your mind around I know email. How to, I know how to email. So if you have questions that you want to send in, or if you have any listener stories, please send them to us. You could either reveal yourself or stay anonymous. Up to you. Or if you potentially want to be a guest on the show. Yes. I mean, we got pretty high standards around here, but... And it's a long list. It's a very long list. So those are the exciting updates. Um, if you want to hear questions that you actually care about and not the things that we make up, feel free to write in. We're so creative, though. <laughs> so creative. So there's the big updates for the pod. Oh, well, I guess one other big update... We've been picked up for the next 12 episodes. We did. We were recruited (laughs) by um, the program that we're already belonging to. (laughs) We have zero sponsorship. Um, Mostly just requirements. (laughs) We have a structure going forward, so we plan to release every week, either on Sunday or Monday, depending on when it actually gets uploaded, and that'll go through about May, and then we'll kind of reevaluate from there, but... Yeah, so if you have stories that you're interested in hearing or topics, whatever, write in, let us know. Yeah. But we are, we are contracted out for the next couple months. We're, we're pretty official. But yeah, that in conclusion is the big updates. There's also the, uh, the continued saga now of your, of your sawdust thief. If anyone, so if anyone listened to one of the earlier episodes, was that episode one? Was that one or two? It was either one or two. One or two, where there was a sawdust thief at at Riley's apartment. Uh, there is now a continuation, potentially. Yeah, so I was in my bed chamber last night, and 
I was listening to my audiobook as I do before bed because I am a three-year-old that needs to be read bedtime stories. And I was about to drift off to a a wonderful slumber. That that is the one of the best ways to fall asleep though. Like it is. falling asleep to Jim Dale. Mm, mm-hmm. Nothing. This was not Jim Dale, but I agree. Jim Dale is one of the best. I was about to drift off into blissful sleep and I heard like men outside of my window. <laughs> yeah, pretty common. Um, <laughs> outside, you're like, are you saying like trying to get in through your window <laughs> is common? <laughs> I oh see what you're going for. <laughs> but are they okay? Did they start by throwing rocks at your yeah, window at least? Pebbles. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is getting. This used to be a morbid episode. This is not going to be a, a fun story. Oh my suitors. <laughs> No, okay. Also on the on the notes it just says Riley's nighttime visitors. <laughs> I mean the, the context that you're <laughs> So I'm I'm laying in bed about to drift off to sleep and I hear these men outside my window. And um living above a brewery, I'm not gonna triangulate myself because don't stalk me, but living above a brewery, I was like, okay, these are some like drunk dudes leaving the brewery you know on their way home whatever but after like 10 minutes and they're still like outside my window just like loudly talking I was like what is going on and so I look out my window to be fair I look out the blinds which are closed because I don't want men looking in my windows at night just even if they throw pebbles (laughs) even if they throw pebbles it takes more than that so I look out and there's these two like white like worker van kind of things outside of my building and they're like parked right outside of my room. It, to be clear, I'm on the second floor, so they're not like <laughs> You'd physically would have to throw pebbles. Yes. It's not an exaggeration. Yes. So they're they're outside, there's these two dudes. One of them gets the ladder off of his truck van, whatever, and puts it against the building. And I'm like okay, this is how I get taken. (laughs) And so I'm like, whatever. Like, I'm not concerned enough to, like, figure out what they're doing. So I lay back in bed, and I'm like, okay, just ignore them, whatever. Five or ten more minutes go by, and they're still just, like, babbling out there. So I look at my window again, and they've got, like, the best that I can describe is, like, a power washer. Like, if you're washing the side of a house or something. And they're spraying the side of my building and again not to triangulate the building is brick so it's not as if they're like cleaning like a vinyl sided building they're spraying this building so one guy is on the ladder propped up against the building spraying something onto the building and the other guy is also on a ladder he's not doing anything other than smoking on a ladder which i'm like what are are we doing but their truck they have like spotlights on the truck that are just shining on the building like into my bedroom and I'm laying there and I'm like this is actually hell like why are we doing this at this point it's 11 o'clock at night the the brewery is no longer open it is Thursday night what are we doing I I'm starting to think like the only maintenance that happens at your place is overnight I (laughs) I have no idea what they were doing after another like 20 minutes and they were still doing whatever they were doing I got up I got earplugs put them in eventually fell asleep but I woke up a few hours later and looked out the window and the trucks were still there 
So I don't, I don't know what was happening. Mm. I couldn't make out what they were saying, but I was very close to the point of like opening my window and being like, can you please shut the hell up and not do this at 11 p.m.? I wonder if it's worth an email to like your landlord or anything like that to just say like, this is becoming a problem. <laughs> this is, you can't, you can't just lift ladders up to people's windows <laughs> in the middle of the night and it expect was, that to be okay. Yeah, it was arguably worse than the sawdust thief. Because yep. like he was just doing, a, doing some kind of job, doing his thing. He wasn't talking. It wasn't his fault his that the truck, truck was, was just loud. These dudes were just like having like a full on conversation on ladders outside my window. And I was like, I don't understand your hours of operation. Like this brewery does not open until like noon every day. Mm-hmm. Do it in the morning. Come at 9 a.m. Spray whatever you're spraying on the building. Well, I wonder now if it's for the brewery or if it's for the apartment part. I, I'm guessing the brewery, but I don't know. Anyway, so I didn't sleep a ton last night. Well, the saga continues. The saga continues. I walked around the side of the building this morning to see if there was anything earth-shattering, and I saw nothing. Were there bins of sawdust? Did they return (laughs) the sawdust? There's, You know, there hasn't been any sawdust recently, so... Yikes. TBD. We'll we'll see where it goes from here. Do you want to do your mini-story that we learned in Morocco, or do you want me to do the story for the day? I'll do the mini story because okay. we can talk a teeny tiny bit about Morocco. Um, we clearly did not record an episode in Morocco. There was no time. <laughs> there was no time. There was also like no quiet places to do it. Sure. I have no idea where we would have no. recorded that didn't have just like excessive background noise. Yep. So we that were didn't with happen. the class almost the entire time. Yeah, it was. It was a lot. Um, it was also a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. No, it was it was wonderful. Sort of once-in-a-lifetime experience, but the sort of lead-up to this story that I'm going to tell, it was a class trip that we were on. Basically, every day we did a different visit to a different business, um, kind of learning a lot of, like, small businesses, startups, entrepreneur kind of deals, so kind of, like, chatted with them about their role in the Moroccan economy and sort of what they're doing and whatever. So on one of these visits, we were in... Rabat? Are we in Rabat or Marrakesh? Which visit? The one where we talked about the person that I'm going to talk about. That was in uh, Rabat. Rabat. Okay. So we were in Rabat at this site visit, and our presenter, I don't know, was giving a presentation about Morocco in general. It was like the history of Morocco and its relationship with the U.S. Yes. So in one of his slides, he said... There are two things that Moroccans are afraid of. Mm-hmm. One of them was the police, which <laughs> that's a whole story. But one of them was the police, and the other one is this woman called Aisha Kandisha. Power the other sa- one power was saver. <laughs> no, I hit my step goal. <laughs> Sitting here during the podcast, you hit your step goal. Yes. Okay, do not edit that out. <laughs> oh, fine. Okay, so he tells us it's the police, and then this woman called Aisha Kandisha. And he explains very briefly that Aisha Kandisha is this mythological figure in Moroccan folklore. You also need to look up a picture because she looks ghouly. Yes. If you follow our Instagram, I will upload a photo to that. Oh, with, new age technology. With the post for today's yeah. episode. So she's this, this figure in Moroccan folklore who essentially seduces men and then 
either drives them mad or kills them. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna love the story. And, <laughs> and iconically, one of the girls in the class, <laughs> the second he finishes saying that, she goes, "Oh, my hero." <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was so funny too because she later apologized. Like I, I just say, like a couple people like giggled, but we're also like in a presentation setting where this guy is like talking to us. So like we can't all like I don't know be inappropriate. But she goes, "Oh my hero," and she later apologized. But then we were able to like truly laugh about what she had said yeah. because it was really funny. And I think a lot of people in the in our class like. Just, just got to kick out Yeah, of it. I mean, I think every every woman in the class yeah. agreed. So anyway, so naturally, um, he said that. I was like, well, I now need to look into this figure because she sounds great. <laughs> um, so I'm going to tell a very brief story about the woman who is Aisha Kandisha. I'd also like to point out that we're worried about people putting ladders up to windows. <laughs> I am all for this woman who entices and murders men. I've got a plan. <laughs> Take that ladder, men. Some of this I'm going to describe her, but I also need to talk a little bit about sort of Moroccan and Arabic folklore to get sort of a full understanding of her. So she's best described as a half-witch and half-jinn entity. I told, you she, I told you she was ghouly looking. <laughs> I mean, that's J-I-N-N. So jinn are invisible creatures in early religion in pre-Islamic Arabia and later in Islamic culture and beliefs. So this predates Islam, this idea of jinns. Jinns are neither innately evil nor innately good. And Islam denies all sort of affinities between jinn and God. So they're more parallel to humans than sort of like I guess if you equate it to like Christianity, they're not like the devil. They're not sort of demons who are kind of on a similar level as God in terms of spirituality. They're more like humans mm -hmm. and they're subject to God's judgment and afterlife. Is it kind of like a they walk among us type of thing? Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. with you. So according to the Quran, Muhammad was sent as a prophet to both human and jinn communities. So they were treated equally. Jinn favor a snake form, but can also choose to appear as scorpions, lizards, or as humans. They may even engage in sexual affairs with humans and produce offspring. So baby jinns. Baby jinns. So, bringing us back to Aisha Kandisha is best described as half witch and half jinn. Ghoulie. Ghoulie. So, some sources say that she was born to a human mother and a jinn father. Her upper half is a beautiful human woman, while her lower half is some type of hoofed animal, like a goat or a camel. Hoofed. Hoofed. <laughs> hoofed. 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 She be hoofed. Equipped with hooves. <laughs> and we will upload a picture to the Instagram because she is a sight to see. Enticing. Her upper half is very enticing. <laughs> She supposedly lives on the banks of rivers or near other bodies of water, waiting for men to pass by. So it kind of depends on where you are in Morocco, where she lives. So places along the ocean, so places like Fez or even Rabat, she's known to live along sort of the, the beachy areas, whereas places more inland where there's rivers, she's thought to live along the rivers. But always, always near water. She particularly preys on heartbroken lovers, forcing them to fall in love with her and eventually fall into madness. 
Fuck them. <laughs> so a more recent sort of academic proposal is that Candisha was derived from a real historical figure who helped resist the Portuguese, who basically invaded, colonized Morocco, whatever you want to call it. They've been the subject of multiple colonies. Yeah. yeah. So she helped resist the Portuguese by seducing their soldiers, who were then killed by Moroccan fighters laying in wait. She's a, she's a goddamn hero. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's believed that she began resisting colonialism after her husband was killed by the Portuguese. There's other sources that say that the Portuguese came and killed her entire family. So, can't blame the girl. They, they kind of activated her ginniness. Mm-hmm. And Moroccan men began to believe that she had supernatural powers. Mm. Which, get a girl. The- <laughs> <laughs> Just, that's really using your powers for good right there. <laughs> um, it's believed the only cure for possession by Candisha is to join a curing group called the Hamancha. Sounds right. Uh, the group does musical performances and sacrificial rituals to drive out Candisha. Culty as fuck. <laughs> it's a little culty, but it's it's more like it's almost the equivalent of like an exorcism. It sounds like an exorcism. Catholicism. You gotta do some um, songs and rituals, and then yeah, it's like songs, it's rituals, a lot of so like she is still believed to possess people today, and most people who try to drive her out like of this possession. You'll read from the Quran. You'll do these kind of rituals and musical performances. I would I would not really classify an exorcism as a musical performance. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> as our last as our last episode. <laughs> it's really interesting though. So you can go on YouTube and actually watch like rituals that have been done to drive out Candisha. So like. Uh, whatever. I could go into this way more in depth, but I'm not going to. <laughs> this isn't even our story for today. What's, I know. What's super interesting, though, is, like, people, like, not only fear, but, like, respect her. So if you get possessed, part of the reason that you do musical performances is to, like, appease her and make her happy. Do you think she likes Taylor Swift? Like, do you think a musical Probably. performance would require Taylor Swift? Probably. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, I love this. There was a really... Look, look, okay, okay, gonna be fair. I haven't seen it. There was a movie made a few years back, a French movie called Candisha. It looks terrible. It looks like it has nothing to do with the actual figure. (laughs) But anyway, there are some pop culture references and things that have been done about this. But she is still very much alive and well in folklore in Morocco. So look her up. She's a, I actually have a photo that I can't show you right now. Well, no, we'll do that. Is it Ghoulie? Oh, yeah. That's pretty selective. Yeah. She's got those those hooves. The hooves will do it. <laughs> so anyway, that's the story of Aisha Kandisha. I'll put some links in our show notes if anyone is interested, and I will upload this very picture to our Instagram so you can see for yourself. Well, okay. That was, like, one of the... the that site did really didn't, didn't, like, stand out, but that part of it did, like... Yeah. We definitely talked about that and joked about that for quite a while. Oh, I have no idea what the rest of the presentation was about. I was too focused on Aisha. But while we're talking about Morocco, which we could do an entire episode on, tell me what your favorite site visit was and why. Mm, that's tough. Um, it's 
probably going to be Project Soar. I, I thought you might go with that one, which is rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would probably choose that one. So Project Soar is this organization. Which we should link in the, in the show notes. We will link in the show notes. Um, this organization in Morocco that works basically in female empowerment, but they focus on girls, I would say roughly like 12 to 18. And they do, they do a number of different things. They have this uh, curriculum where they teach young women about sort of their value, how to use their voice effectively to advocate for whatever they may want. They also teach them pretty basic like women's health topics that they're not mm-hmm. taught in schools. Which is, it was both surprising and a little bit concerning. Yeah. That so it's not part of their normal health curriculum. Yeah, so girls or boys, I mean, I think both should receive the same education, but girls in Morocco are not taught about their menstrual cycle. And so it's kind of dependent upon mothers or family members to pass that information along, which I think is unfortunate. So Project Soar kind of fills that gap and gives them a pretty comprehensive education. And it gives them tools and resources to deal with it because something you mentioned afterward is in somewhere like Morocco, their cycle will take the young girls out of school, which is mind-blowing. Yep. Yeah. So that was really cool. We got to meet a bunch of the girls in the program. They were very excited to meet us, which was cute. So They're all young, but like very confident. Yep. One of the things is they like teach public speaking and like coming out of your shell. And I think that was the whole voice thing. Yeah. No, it was was pretty moving and like, you know, women's rights and, and gender equality is deeply important to me so it was valuable but also pretty emotional for me that day well and then and then mention the leader of the class that spoke to us mention mention what she got to do because of the she was so freaking humble about it you would have never known all this amazing stuff that she's that she's done but then like stood for yeah she and i wish i could remember her name it's escaping me now but she she participated in the program and then became a teacher in the program and she seems like kind of one of the leaders, I would say now. She definitely like indoctrinates the new teachers. <laughs> I wouldn't say indoctrinates. It's not a good word. She educates the she new de- teachers. She definitely like <laughs> trains the new yes. teachers that, that either come from the program or come from outside to become mentors. Yeah. But she's done a lot of really great work. And she was invited by Michelle Obama to come to the White House. Michelle Obama was very, and I think still is very active in women's rights, but particularly young girls' rights around the world. So she was invited by Michelle Obama to come to the White House to sort of talk about what she did in Morocco and the program. So and she she just, like, casually dropped that. And I was like, girl, you got to lead with that. There's like, a, that's and there's incredible. There's a picture on the wall of yeah. her in the White House with all the other girls that were invited um, from around the world. So it she, – and she just casually drops it, of course. But she yeah. was the representative of Morocco. Yeah to come to the White House and share her story of what they're doing in yep. their country. It was And she's in, she's in university right now. I think she said she's studying graphic design, and she's doing this. She was like, she's like yeah. 22, 23 years old. Yeah, and she's also, she's a runner. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> what did she say? She, it kept getting better. She runs like, what did she say, like a 36, 37-minute 10K? I was like, girl, that's fast. <laughs> so she's a badass in the best possible way. We'll put the link to Project Soar in the notes. Yeah. If I can't pick that one, I would pick High Atlas, which I had researched and, and 
been assigned to do like interviews for beforehand, but I really fell in love with like the, the business model that they have before we even got there. But essentially what they do is they facilitate a transaction between companies around the world that are purchasing carbon offsets. Um, so they'll, uh, they'll basically grow the trees that are what are being used as the carbon offsets, but then all of the income that's coming from these companies, the income is going towards um, these growing communities that would need them for projects, education, infrastructure, but they find out what the communities truly need, whether that's you know a new schoolhouse, whether that's funding to create like a women's co-op. Some places have put in like a new well and aqueduct system, um, but all that money that comes from these businesses that are then buying carbon offsets and funding tree farms, all of that money goes towards funding these projects for these um, communities. And we got to go see one of the communities that's benefiting from that. And they've formed a women's co-op of um, making rugs. So they have all this capital to use towards their business of making and then selling rugs. And it's all handmade. Oh my God, the rugs are beautiful. Amazing, amazing. And it ranges from like the size of a doormat all the way to like the size of your living room. Yeah. How long did they say it takes to build that, to, to make that huge it was, one? It was, I want to say it was like eight weeks yeah, or something like months. that. And that was among like three or four different women making yeah. it. Yeah. But it just loved what they've built as in terms of a business model, in terms of the sustainability, in terms of what they're doing for the communities. And it's a nonprofit. So none of the profits are actually going back towards the company that's facilitating these interactions. Yep. Yep. We could do a whole episode on Morocco. We could. We're not going to, though. Nope. I've got uh, more enticing men to their death yes. to talk about. I love it. Okay. This is the story of Bell Gunness. Bell Gunness is thought to have killed at least 14 people. Is Bell a man or a woman? A woman. Okay. 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 Most of whom were men that she enticed to her property. Mm. This is just ironic that you also <laughs> had this story to talk about. Some accounts credit her with upwards of 40 murders, making her one of the most notable female serial killers in history. Ooh. She seemingly died in a fire in 1908, but this was widely believed to be staged and that she faked her own death. Oh my her God. actual fate has never been confirmed. And that's it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> that's all of it. <laughs> well, I know what I'm doing the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Belle Gunness is a immigrant from Norway. She was born as Bernhild Storseth in Norway in 1859. So it's quite a while ago. Some of the accounts are a little bit blurry. Everything about her story was like put together after the fact. So some of it might seem like a really significant detail, but there's just nothing else to go on. Right. Um, so like her children, she had any number between like three and five children. Uh, there's, there's, there's like... Same. They could have. They could have been. <laughs> but she was never pregnant. So like people think that they were maybe foster children, um, that they were just uh, adopted, or that she was maybe just like doing daycare. Like nobody. There's no way to know now. Did the children like live with her? Yes. Yep. They had. Like I think some accounts said like five children. Some of them threatened to leave, and then like one of. Okay, this is. I'm not. I'm not even starting the story yet. But one of them like <laughs> threatened to leave and like oust her of what she was doing to men coming to her farm, and she like ended up killing a foster child. Oh, God. Um, anyway, so she was born in Norway in 1859. She grew up working on a cattle farm until she saved enough money to immigrate to the U.S. in 1881. When she was first processed as an incoming immigrant, she changed her name to Belle 
and soon moved to Chicago to join her sister, who had immigrated some years earlier. She started work in the U.S., and she worked at a butcher shop, cutting up animal carcasses into pieces. That's some good training. Yeah. I'll just leave some of that foreshadowing there for you. <laughs> a little Sweeney Todd yeah. action going on. <laughs> uh, in 1884, so she's about 25 years old. Okay, what year was she born? She was born in 1859. 1859. Okay. Yep. Okay. Hot minute ago. So she's about 25 years old. She married Mad Sorensen, also a Norwegian immigrant. His name is Mad? Mads. Oh. M-A-D-S. Well, okay. Mads. Um, and they had, uh, the two had five children together. Again, Are these the same children in question? Yes. But it, so again, like, the accounts just know that they had five children in the house. There is not an account of if, like, they biologically had five children together. So there's not an account of if... They had like five biological children together, or if they were foster children, um, it's thought that they had like three biological children and two foster children, something like okay. that. But nobody ever saw her pregnant. No one, none of the neighbors ever saw her pregnant. Did she live in the same place the whole time? Um, so they started in this community in Chicago, and this and this area that she went and joined her sister at. Um, was like a common community for Norwegian immigrants. Okay. So like they basically like join a community of other immigrants that's so like Mad Sorensen is also a Norwegian immigrant gotcha um, but anyway they have five children in the home with them okay Belle and her husband went into business together and owned a candy store cool. ironically and suspiciously both their house and on a separate occasion the candy store burned down and they received insurance payouts for them mm, so Belle gets a little taste of insurance payout money Additionally, two babies, so this is two of the five, two babies under the care of Belle. It, it doesn't say that they are her babies. It just says two babies under the care of Belle died of inflammation of the large intestine, which oh, typically gosh. results from a reaction from poisoning. Each, really? Yeah. Huh. Each, they were both the same. I kind of feel that pain, but... They were... <laughs> It sounds like they're having some serious GI issues. Has anyone, girls. has anyone checked if they're allergic to dairy? <laughs> uh, so that, but this is on separate occasions that each of them died in a similar manner. Mm. And separately, Bell had instigated life insurance policies on them. Uh. And so uh, upon each death, uh, her and her husband collected life insurance payouts for these two babies. That's rough. Generally, don't have life insurance on babies. Yeah. Again, like, do I'm, not. I'm 30 and I don't have life insurance. Like, do not know if these babies are hers biologically. And again, it says like the the origin of the babies, even to the neighbors, was mysterious. Uh, they just had children in the house. I okay. almost wonder. Like, you said that they're living in this like Norwegian community, mm-hmm. late 1800s, early 1900s. I wonder if it was like people's babies in the community that like they couldn't care for them. Whether it was like. There's definitely thinking that, about the times like yeah. unwed mothers. There's absolutely that possibility. Whatever. Like it could have been the um, like it takes a village type yeah. of mindset to take take care of these children because the the honestly the numbers don't add up because they'll they'll have children and they'll lose children. And yeah. when I say lose, I mean like their children are dying and the numbers don't ever quite add up because they have five and then like these two babies die, but then there's also one that like threatens to leave and so yeah. they she kills her. So that the children account is where it's kind of blurry and hard to 
to get a full accurate picture. Feels, you know, it's the 1800s of it all. Yeah. So her husband, Mads, had two life insurance policies. On himself? Yes. Okay. The reason for that is he had one, and it was set to expire. What? Uh, so <laughs> 1800s life insurance. I don't, I don't know. There's an expiration date prior to his death where his life insurance policy is. that's a thing, is it? A, a pre-death life insurance policy. <laughs> I thought it expired like when you yeah. expired. Expire and expire. <laughs> I expire, you expire. <laughs> so his life insurance policy is going to expire. And then, so being a responsible uh, father of five foster mystery children, um, he took out another insurance policy that would pick up on the same day. So there would be an overlap of one day where he has two insurance policies. Mm. Mad Sorensen died of a cerebral hemorrhage that very day. You're kidding. Where he had two life insurance policies taken out on when they overlapped. Was there like an autopsy or did they just say like, this is what so happened? Here's, so here's the... Uh, the account is like Bell's account is mm. that Mads came home from work with a headache. So she gave him quinine powder for the pain. And then when she checked on him later, he was dead. <laughs> yeah, dude died of a headache. <laughs> okay, and I looked it up. Uh, like, I didn't, I've never heard of like quinine powder being used for it, but it's, it's it used is it in. Quinine or quinine? 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 Isn't that in like Monster Energy Drink? You're thinking of, like, guanine, <laughs> which is, like... Are you sure? Okay, look it up. Uh, okay, but I looked up this powder, and it's used in malaria medicine. So not even, like, I didn't find anywhere it was, like, a painkiller. What did you find? I'm looking, I'm looking. So she gives him this, this stuff for his headache and finds him dead. Like, she collected checks for both insurance policies. Oh, it's in tonic water. That's what I know it from. It's not in Monster, it's in tonic water. Is that actually like... Yeah. Does it give a pronunciation? Um, okay. I'll Quinine. look up the pronunciation. So this is according to Google. In early 19th century India and other tropical posts of the British Empire, medical quinine, quinine We're going with it. was recommended to British officials and soldiers to prevent malaria where it was mixed with soda and sugar to mask its bitter taste. That's how tonic water was created. Okay. It's still in tonic water. I fully believe that, but I, I found nowhere where it was used for pain, and that's what she gave him oh, for pain. No. Maybe if you mix it with gin. But... Maybe, yeah, maybe if you give him a gin and tonic for pain, I'd okay. believe that. Okay, I found a pronunciation. Ready? Yep. Quinine. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? I thought you were going to say it in your... <laughs> no! <laughs> Can I get the slow version? Quinine. <laughs> okay. Quinine. Quinine powder. Anyway, she gives him this powder, and like it was, it was widely believed that she gave him basically like opium and like overdosed him. That checks. Um, so she collects the money from this payout, and it, it is substantial. She basically gets two people's worth of life insurance policies. So she takes that money, and moves to Indiana with her three remaining mystery children. <laughs> And uh, bought a farm there. She buys a big plot of land. With the insurance money. With the insurance money. She <laughs> blows the life insurance money on this new farm. What happened to the candy shop? Oh, it burned down. Oh, they didn't, they didn't like reopen it? Uh, I guess not, no. So, Belle is now in Indiana. She's got a, uh, like a, it's this old pig farm. It doesn't say if she has any animals on the farm. What? 
I've heard this story. I was going to ask God if it was... It. No, I don't remember the details. It was many, many moons ago. Okay. I was going to ask if it was a pig farm, and I was like, there's no chance. Yeah, okay. it's a pig farm. Okay, keep going. I even asked if you've heard this story. Well, I don't, I don't remember. I listened to a lot of stories. Oh Do you remember how many hours I listened to? 36,000 hours. <laughs> okay, Belle later remarried in 1902 to Peter Gunnis. So this is where she gets her last name. Who already had an infant daughter. The very next week after they get married... While Peter is out of the house, the infant daughter died of unknown causes <laughs> while in Be- Belle's care. Oh. I know. Belle. <laughs> Eight months after that, Peter died of a skull injury that was mm-hmm. ruled an accident in the home. Mm, after yeah. he was allegedly reaching for something on the top shelf, a meat grinder <laughs> fell on his head and like cracked his skull open. A classic injury. I keep all of my heaviest appliances <laughs> in the, on the, the very top shelf. <laughs> The KitchenAid, that thing's on the very top shelf where I can't possibly reach it without. That's where I keep my Instant Pot. Yeah. It's actually like where my oven is, is like out of reach, <laughs> way up high. Um, so the infant died and Peter died. Belle collected life insurance checks for both of these deaths. So she has got a taste for life insurance money, mm-hmm. for property insurance, and all this, all this crap. She's a businesswoman. Yeah, this is a. Sustainable business plan, if I've ever heard one. Uh, okay. So she's still got the three children in the house. Belle began placing marriage ads in the newspaper in order to entice men to come to her property. This is like the original Tinder where you would advertise yourself uh, in the newspaper. Um, so she like writes this, this you know, bit about herself to come to her farm. Do you think it said that she was overweight but not over life? It did, she did describe herself as uh, comely, comely, comely. Comely? Com- I, I was probably mispronounced. I don't know. What does uh, that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I think. Like, come out why? Pleasurably conforming to notions of good appearance, suitability, or proportion it's it, it's supposed to mean like slightly plump comely i it, i spelled comely wrong <laughs> do not tell me how you spelled it <laughs> i spelled comely sorry, wrong sorry mom <laughs> okay so she's writing these newspaper ads jesus christ <laughs> i spelled comely wrong There are two well-known accounts of men traveling to her farm. And when I say, like, well-known accounts, like, they know their names. They have, uh, like, the letters and everything of them, you know, being written to and everything. Um, But there was a lot more. Anyway, so there's two well-known accounts of men traveling to her farm, withdrawing large amounts of cash, and then never being heard from again. Why are they withdrawing cash? So when... When they respond to her ad in the newspaper, they start, like, corresponding. They'll yeah. write letters back and forth. And her, she'll, like, petition them to come and move to her farm to come marry her, but to, like, bring all of the money they have to sell their <laughs> to sell their property at, at their home. And then basically to come down to her with all the money that, that they have and 
married she her. must have been real good looking she something was just not oh no <laughs> she was not anyway so a carpenter who did some work for bell in the home noticed that both of these individuals trunks were still in the house along with like a bunch of other trunks and like personal effects from various other men these trunks included pocket watches trousers just like very personal items that if someone had come to the farm to be mm-hmm. with her, but then, like, moved on or left, yeah. they would have taken with them. So the carpenter's starting to think, like, these people never left the farm. Fast forward to, like, years of doing this, of, like, enticing men to come down, take out their their life savings, sell their property, and then come down to marry her. Years of doing this, fast forward to 1908, the Gunnis Farmhouse in Indiana burns to the ground, and authorities find a headless woman, believed to be Belle, and her three children in the house all dead. Headless. Yeah, so she died of beheading and a fire. Uh, the initial reaction of the story is that Belle died trying to save her three little ones and that she was just being a protective mother that met an unfortunate end in a terrible accident. So, like, that's what the How news... would her head have come off? Well, there was, like, there was maybe, like, a killer in the house that was attacking them and she tried to defend her children and then they burned the house to cover it up, to like burn the evidence. Yeah. So that's what like the initial headline was, is that she like t- died trying to save her okay. children in her home. And after the story of the fire made it to the papers, there's another, another man named Azel Helgelin. Mm-hmm. He contacted the police regarding correspondence between his brother, Andrew, and Bell. So this guy knew his brother had been trading letters with Bell. The letters between the two of them included Bell urging Andrew to relocate to her farm, bring lots of money, sell everything he had, but to keep it all secret. Yeah, that's not suspicious at all. Throughout the investigation into the fire, Azel then, he goes down to visit the farm in Indiana, looking for signs of like what happened to his brother. Mm -hmm. He, along with the former hired hand of the farm, so like this guy's showing him around, they noticed soft depressions Uh-oh. in the hog pen. After only a short while digging, authorities uncovered two hands, two feet, and a head. The head, Azel immediately recognizes as his brother, Andrew. So that's like the most recent victim. So not her head. Not Belle's head. Okay. Andrew's head, the okay. brother who was enticed down there. Okay, I got some questions before we go on. I'm ready. So the newspaper claimed that she was deceased, headless, yep. in the house, and the three children were dead in the house. Yes. Did they actually recover those bodies? Yeah, they had. They took all four bodies, okay. and it was definitely the three children. We will get to the other body. Okay, okay. But they didn't recover a head in the, in the house. The head was never found. Head, great, wonderful, okay. So, right, they've just found Andrew. Now they start digging. Well, they found Andrew's head. Yeah, they... Well, maybe his hands and his and his feet, mm-hmm. potentially. Yeah. But now they start digging everywhere. So they, they later found more soft depressions, which resulted in torsos, hands, arms, and just masses of human bones. In each case, the bodies had been hacked apart with the head, arms, and legs all removed. We're bringing full circle the, uh, mm-hmm. the butcher, the butcher shop, shop yeah. job. Each skull that was found had some form of blunt trauma. So think of, like, the meat grinder falling on Peter. Uh, Police found five bodies on the first day, 
and six on the second, and after that they stopped counting. Oh God! It, this is the 1800s, early 1900s of Math police investigations. Yeah. So uh, they just they stopped counting. They just pulled a bunch of body parts out. Unlike the case of Andrew Helgeline, they did not identify any of the other bodies. There's just there's pieces of bodies everywhere. So keep keep that part about Azel wanting to come to the farm and find his mm. brother Andrew. Keep that in mind. Okay. Okay. A man named Ray Lamphere was arrested and convicted for the arson of the Gunnis house. Oh. He was arrested for setting it on fire. He confesses that Bell had been placing advertisements for companionship in the newspaper only to murder and rob the men that showed up to her farm. So he was, he was like a hired hand on the farm. Mm-hmm. He states that at some point during the scheme, the brother of one of the victims had written to Bell threatening to come down to her farm and search around for his brother with the threat of potentially being discovered of someone coming looking for their family member bell petitions lamphere to destroy her house and fake her death side note bell and lamphere are fucking on the side what i'm yeah. shocked yeah. i mean she is quite comely but so Lam- <laughs> lamphere has no money he's just a hired hand on the farm he's a big so, fuck though so she has no reason to like swindle him she there's no gain yeah. he's not gonna bring a bunch of money right uh she's just kind of like a side piece on yeah. the farm but lamphere's like very attached to her so mm-hmm. when she asks him to fake her death and burn the farm down he's like yeah of course i mean he's probably thinking that he's like protecting her from yeah. something he thinks that like she's under his protection mm-hmm. and like doing her a favor so when she when he she asks him to do this he thinks like nothing of it. Like this yeah. is a normal this is a normal favor for a farmhand. <laughs> in Lamphere's initial confession, he covered for Bell and stated that he had killed Bell and the three children with an axe and then set the fire in the house to like cover up the evidence. Yeah. He later told authorities that his part in the past murders was typically to bury the bodies in the garden or the pig pen. So he was the, the shovel man. They were already like, Bell did all the killing and the chopping, and he did the, the burying. Okay. We don't want anybody to read into this question. Oh, boy. Were there pigs on the farm? It, it never says that they had any livestock. They definitely had a pig pen. Okay, okay. I was going to say, it seems unnecessary to bury something in there, a pig pen. Pigs literally eat anything. Yeah, there, is, there are more efficient ways of getting rid of these bodies. Yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing, so I don't think that's terrible to read into. Especially better than soft depressions. Yeah. Like, pigs will eat anything. Okay, so then, in a later confession, like when they're uncovering all the evidence and the bodies and everything as they're investigating the house, Lanfear explains that the body that the authorities originally thought was Belle, the the headless Belle, Mm -hmm. was in fact one of her murder victims planted to mislead investigators. Was it a man? Um, it was a female victim. Okay. So there's, there's no details on who that was that she, that she lured. I was going to say, I know this is the 1800s, but I mean, I suppose 1900s now, but I would think they could tell between a man and a woman. The kicker now is there's no, there's no sight or word of Belle ever again. So they know the body that was in the burned down house was five inches shorter and about 50 pounds lighter than what Belle was. 
So they know 100% this is not her. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> was she shorter because she didn't have a head? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we forgot to take that into account. <laughs> nope, it checks out. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping somebody asked that question. I mean, it'd be a heavy head, but I, mean, I don't know. I don't know how much the average head goes for these days. We did lose count at 11 bodies, so you never know. But that's that's it. She's like never heard from again. Ray Lamphere like takes the fall for being an accomplice in all these murders, and now in Indiana, this farm is like a museum. There's I thought it burned down. There's like a pit in the ground, like oh. the landscape, and the foundation of the house is still there, but. You can, there's like, they put plaques up. You can go and visit it. There's probably still like, I don't know, holes in the ground where they dug up bodies. Okay, couple follow-up questions. Do you want to ask your questions or do you want to hear her <laughs> her nicknames? Like if you search oh, yeah, her no. stories. Continue, I'll save my questions. This is the last part. Her nicknames included Hell's Bell, <laughs> Hell's Princess, and then you'll like this one, Black Widow of the Midwest. Oh, I like that one. Personal okay. fame. I'm ready for your questions. Okay. So I had heard this story before. I don't remember what podcast. I'm, I'm going to assume it was Morbid, but I don't remember. It was, it was a podcast. Are there any theories as to where she went after what the rest of her life looked like? Um, there were potentially sightings of her getting on a train and leaving. Checks out. Um, there were potentially sightings of her later back near the Chicago area and there were potentially sightings of her going back to New York where she like first immigrated but there were only I wouldn't say there's any theories of where she went after this but there were potentially sightings of her it's hard to imagine that she didn't have like any friends or like extended family or anyone like I mean, maybe she went somewhere and just started a new life, but I also find it hard to believe that she never did anything nefarious again. Her entire income was based on insurance payouts. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, we know she didn't die in that fire. Correct. Do you know... Oh, I, I don't even want to ask this. Were, was, were the kids confirmed dead? It was there. It was oh, the three kids. God. Yeah. So it's basically, it's just her. Yes. It was not fake bodies for the three kids. Oh. Um, and there's there's one account where it's just like, it's hard to get the details on, but there's one account of that, that other kid I mentioned before, which was definitely like not their kid, where they like noticed the things that were going on and they were trying to go off to like, basically attend school out of state and mm. she was going to like get away with the story of like what she'd seen there so she had to she had to kill her before she could leave hate that so essentially though if she ran away like it was only her yeah so I I see where you're going with this question like then somewhere else is there another case of someone who's like pulling in a bunch of insurance claims or life insurance policies and things like that well and then I, I guess the other thing that I think about is like is there any way to like I don't want to say like she if she never had children of her own you can't like trace lineage back up to her if she never had like her own biological children or if they're dead and then if she never had her own kids afterwards like it could have been like the end I'm just thinking like there's ways that we find out nowadays about things that happen like this but it's through like 
you know, genetics, genealogy. The there was thing. one, there was one, it was almost like a um, side note of, you know, they had recovered a bunch of letters that she had sent mm-hmm. to different men throughout the years. And they had the letters that went to these two, these two guys where they found their trunks and everything. Like those accounts were pretty well known. Mm-hmm. And they tried to like take DNA off of those letters yep. and then match it to whoever had burned down in the house. But they couldn't like get enough enough match. So they, I think later there was an effort to like match some DNA off of the letters, but they like they never had her to match to. So they still to this date have never identified like the men that they dug up from the farm. From the searching that I did, they have not. Ugh, hate that. Um, well. I guess that's all I have for questions. I think Aisha Candisha is more of a hero figure in mm-hmm. her enticing of men than She had good Belle. intentions. Well, she initially had good intentions. <laughs> Yikes. Um, I'll have to see if I can figure out what the podcast was that I listened to about this. And if I can find it, I'll link it. I was originally trying to find sort of a like mysterious disappearance story. Yeah, I thought that's what you were doing. I was going to, and then I found a mysterious disappearance of a serial killer. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Well, that's, that was quite a story. Thank you. I should try and match yours. You find some good ones. Mine at least had a happy ending last week. Oh, the exorcism? Yeah. That was a good one. It was a happy exorcism. <laughs> it was a, it was a, a musical performance that they did. <laughs> That's how you drive out the devil yeah. through music. Just blast some Taylor Swift, <laughs> and they dance their way out of you. Oh, gosh. Oh, Lord. Well, that was fun. I have no idea what I'm going to do for the next episode. I almost want to do, like, a... Well, I was going to say a ritual, but I literally just did a ritual, sort of. More of, like, a topic story than, like, a story story. A topic story? A topic story. Give me an example. Hmm... Like, I don't know, like, it could be something like the Salem Witch Trials. Okay. Or um, the history of voodoo. I, I'm not going to do voodoo because there's a lot that I, I'm unqualified to talk about voodoo. I like, I like the intro of this because I've been wanting to do the topic of something about Chernobyl. Oh, I guess, yeah. Maybe we'll do topics. Maybe if somebody writes in and they want something... Yes, please give us suggestions for what you want to hear. Well, um... I think that's all we have. I think that's all we got. I thought I had another story, but I don't think so. Maybe next week we'll have some listener questions. Hopefully. Oh, I know oh, what I was going to ask you. We can't go through an entire episode without asking questions. Oh, we got to give got? the people what they want. <laughs> what, what do you got? I want you to, um... What book are you reading, right? Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. I just, and I know why you're asking me this. I'm just curious. I will not be shamed for the book that... (laughs) I am not shaming you. I'm just asking a question. I just finished reading uh, The Fourth Wing, and it's very popular, very uh, high on the charts, Stop. 
Um, I'm not saying anything. But so I just I started reading it when we started the Morocco trip, and I just recently finished it. It's very good, very nerdy. It's like a heavily uh, heavy fantasy book. I, okay, fantasy hear me out. I don't think that's necessarily nerdy. It's just a genre of book. I'm okay with it being classified nerdy. I, <laughs> I self-identify as nerdy. Um, I don't think, though, like, fantasy should be exclusively considered nerdy. Okay, like, it's just I can a support genre. that. I can support that. So it's called The Fourth Wing. It is about a, basically, a college that you go through to learn how to ride dragons. And then you get, like, paired with a dragon, and you're a bonded with this dragon, and then you, you fight with them. So it's like How to Train Your Dragon. It's, it's almost exactly like How to Train Your Dragon. You're right. Is it a picture book? No. <laughs> okay, Riley's giving me so much shit because this book is, could or may be, or in some senses of the word, be considered smut. <laughs> by some people. Not everybody. By some people. I only recently learned what smut was. <laughs> and now it's now it's like filling my real feed <laughs> of people will like read over the shoulder of someone reading smut and their eyes just go really wide. Well, what is that? What is the series that people are reading? So there's another popular series of it's a court of thorn and roses. Yes, that one. Uh, so it's I, a, I didn't Sarah realize. Moss, <laughs> go uh, on, you read it. <laughs> I read the first one and honestly, uh, I, l- I liked the story. I didn't get into reading the series, but I read the first one. It was okay. It very, very much, uh, Smut book. <laughs> so, so this is my um, trajectory with smut. <laughs> so, a few of my friends posted on their Instagram stories about this, the court of court of thorn and roses. Court of thorn and roses, like that series. Whether they were reading the first book or they had like bought all of them or whatever, and I was like, okay, like I don't really have time to read right now. But like, what's this all about? I forget whether it was like Goodreads or Amazon that I like looked it up and it was just like a sexy thriller about like fairies in love. And I was like, and I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) And through Googling it or whatever I did, my like, it started popping up on my reels, this like smut, whatever. And I'm like, what is smut? (laughs) I think I it asked is, you. If you do not know, it is essentially uh, like very graphic sex scenes in the book you're reading. So you could be reading what you think is a very normal action book. About dragons. About dragons and fighting. And then uh, it basically gets pornographic. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. That, that was my journey with learning what smut and is. Then, and then I have to point this fun fact out. In, in telling Riley about my book and then her turning it into making fun of me about the book I'm reading, she bet me that on on or around page 243, she just picked an arbitrary number, 243, that the two of them, the two main characters, would have done it. The deed. The deed. And on page 247, they first kissed. So it was pretty darn close. They did not do the deed. The deed. But they first kissed uh, three pages off of her guess. And I was yeah. like, God damn it. It was fairly impressive. It was it was kind of kind of sp- spooky, kind of ghouly. Spooky ooky. Uh, I enjoyed the book. I'm reading the second one. 
And How I many are there? There are currently two, and I oh, think okay. she's working on the third one. Okay. And I will not let Riley yuck my yum <laughs> of liking these books. I support you. You read whatever you want. It was just, the context was funny because you like told me about this book, told me like when you started reading it, you were like, oh, I'm reading this new book. It's about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that sounds fine. I think I made a joke because this is after we talked about the, the yep. smutty fairy books. <laughs> and I was like, is this going to be another like smutty dragon book? And you were like, no, it's action. It and was I, all like... fighting and <laughs> tough people. But then I was reading the back cover of the book and it was like this intense, sexy thriller. And I was like, Scott, it <laughs> literally says it's a sexy book. Okay, I think that's... The hallmark of a smut book, though, is like it'll it'll uh, classify it as sexy and kind of like downplay it. And you might get halfway through the book and you're like, "Wow, this is really action packed. Like, I like this." And then the sex scene just sneaks up on you <laughs> out of nowhere. You didn't see and it you, coming. Like, you get in the scene, you're like, "Oh, oh." <laughs> anyway, it's funny. I do not. I don't. I don't care what anyone reads. Read. Read whatever makes you happy. I will. Thank you for permission. <laughs> it's- um, but thank you for asking what I'm reading. I'm... <laughs> Wait, this is your question. Get the heck out of here. <laughs> Ask yourself. <laughs> Riley, what are you reading? Thank you so much for asking. Um, I am... <laughs> about... I'm constantly a victim here. <laughs> I'm about two-thirds of the way through Stephen King's newest book, Holly. Tell, tell them how much more appropriate that is than it's way more appropriate engaging in intercourse. It's about octogenarian uh, cannibals that you're, hold people hostage. Your run of the mill, run of the mill Stephen King book. Truly, for Stephen King, it's it's pretty bland. Um, it's pretty good. It's not technically part of a series, but the character has been in previous King books. She's one of my favorites. Her name is Holly, as the oh. title of the book suggests. Does the back of the book say sexy at all? It certainly does not. If it does, I would be shooketh. It's pretty good. I'm listening to the audiobook. What I like about the audiobook is that it is narrated by the woman who played Holly in a Netflix miniseries about the previous books. Love that. Yep. So it is... I like when there's little... Like little things like that that enhance. Only if you were to look into them, or if you appreciate the story, or like have yeah. done your research, that you would really get that enjoyment out of. Have you watched The Last of Us? Yes. Okay, I think they're coming out with a season two. But um, the the mother who dies, uh, I think it's like towards the end of the the series. But the mother who dies, she was originally cast as the daughter in the video game. So like the the show is based on a video game, and the mother is years ago played the daughter in the video game. It's kind of a, like... Like the voice? They, like, CGI her character to be the daughter. So, like, that's a big thing in video games now is they'll take an actor or, like, a real person and they will digitize them and CGI them to be basically the character in their video game. So, like... Whoa. uh, I've seen video games with, like, David Spade. Not David Spade. I don't know what you're saying. I've seen... <laughs> I've I also seen, don't video game. I've seen video games with, like, Kevin Spacey. Okay. 
canceled? Very much. Okay. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Oh, look at the weird skull. We're on a tangent now. <laughs> yeah, my most recent video game I played was uh, Mario Kart 64. There oh. were no CGI actors in there. Did that just come out? A couple years ago, yeah. Um, anywho, my book is wonderful. I was also um, investigating Stephen King the other night, and he has another book coming out. I think it's in April or May, and it's a series of uh, short stories. And so I'm very excited. I support you reading books about cutting people open and cannibalism. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your question. You're welcome. Thank you for reciprocating my question. Um, I think that's it for today. Okay. Same time next week? Same time next week. <laughs>